0: Girlfriends, episode number 134. What is a personal relationship with Jesus? Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus and what that can mean and what it should mean for you. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? How was your week? I hope it's going well. I hope you're off to a good start this week. It's always nice to connect with you here at Girlfriends. This week, I am freshly back from camping. You know how I mentioned it's been raining nonstop? Well, um, it's still raining nonstop, and it rained through our camping trip. We had this trip planned months ago because we planned it around... Um, We are celebrating my parents 50th wedding anniversary. So their anniversary was back in June. But this was the time in the summer when most of the family would be able to get together my one of my sisters and I kind of put the plans together for all of us to gather at a state park, which has a campground. So that some families could camp if they wanted to, but it was near a place where there were plenty of reasonably priced hotels if some people wanted to stay in hotels. But really there was just one main event. So if some people just wanted to come in for the day and go, uh, that was okay too. And um, so we rented out a space there at the park, which had this beautiful pavilion and um, it's on a little pond and there's a little beach and you can take boats out. And it really was a, a beautiful plan. And you know the day itself went really well. Um, Despite the fact that it was raining on and off, there were little parts of sunshine in between that the kids definitely took advantage of and went into the water and took boats out and, um, you know, played in the sand and whatnot. But then it was really, I was really (laughs) glad we had rented that space because we needed that shelter. And so even when it was raining pretty hard, it didn't really ruin the party at all. It was, you know, it wasn't too cold or buggy or anything. And so the family was able to visit in that way and not all of my family was able to go. Um, you know, some of you know, there are nine of us siblings and we're scattered all over the country, but a good number of us were there. And it was such a beautiful day to gather with cousins. I love it whenever my kids get to spend time with cousins and some of their cousins came from all the way across the country in Seattle. So they hadn't seen them in a long time. And that was great. So a really beautiful day. And that really was my goal that my sister and I had was to connect families that don't see each other often enough and also just make it a special memorable day for my mom and dad, which we did. A <laughs> funny thing. We... We were trying to plan the music and um, at first I asked Dan to put on a playlist from his phone and then one of my brothers didn't care for that music. So then we asked him to put on a playlist from his phone and then other people didn't care for that music. <laughs> this is so typical. Um, so somebody, I don't know who it was, but it was genius, made the suggestion uh, of asking my dad what music he wanted. You know, this is supposed to be their day. And he picked a 1950s playlist which everybody was like when we we're playing this. I mean, it's so funny. It's that kind of, you know, you know what 50s music sounds like. Anyway, um, my dad loved it. Other people were like, "Why are we playing this?" But then, like, look at my dad—he is dancing, he is singing along, he is tapping the table. So, uh, my dad really enjoyed the music, and that was a good compromise uh, for everybody else. That uh, a good lesson too for us kids. This party wasn't about us, and it wasn't about our preferences. And uh, it really was—it was fun to see my dad really enjoying himself like that, and uh, my mom just in her element with grandchildren and everybody all around. So. Uh, a beautiful day. So that part was a great success. But we had planned camping for three nights. Um Originally, we thought many cousins were going to be able to camp. It turned out not many cousins were going to be able to camp. And then it was just, we were coming in on Friday night. We were going to camp that night. In fact, we originally thought we, we might camp Thursday night. We canceled that plan when, well, work schedules demanded it. Plus, uh, other cousins weren't going to be there and whatnot. So we thought we'll camp Friday night and then have the event Saturday and we'll camp Saturday night. And, um, this isn't camping in cabins. Like we had a tent and stuff, you know, but it is like a campground. There's a bathroom there and stuff. Um, so we were driving in on Friday evening and it looked like the rain had let up. Like it, you know, like I said, it had been raining for like a week and a half, but it was sunny when we left. And then it turned into this probably the worst thunderstorm I've seen in many years is what we were driving through. And it was like crazy rain. And, um, you know, Dan just turned to me and said, this is not a good plan. We cannot camp. So instead, we met some family for dinner that were already in town for the event the next day. And um, we went to dinner and then we checked into a hotel. (laughs) This campground isn't too far from our house. We could have driven home. It was like an hour, a little over an hour away. But It felt stupid. We just packed up the whole car for a couple of days worth of activities and fun. And I didn't want to go home. So we found a reasonably priced hotel at the last minute and stayed at the hotel. And that was a really good decision, especially the next morning when Dan told me, you know what? If we had spent last night in a tent, because it did rain the whole night, we would be like hating each other right now. So we wouldn't be at all prepared to have a good day with your parents. And he was right. So that was a good choice. But then Saturday night, you know, the event was over and we still had that campsite reserved and it was really starting to rain. But um, my kids really wanted to do it. The little guys, especially, they, they just wanted to be there in the morning to be able to fish. And so we did it. I camped in a tent in the absolute pouring rain. I didn't have to put up the tent. So I, it was pretty much easy camping for me. We weren't able to start a fire till really late at night. So it really wasn't the best kind of camping, but it was a bonding experience. And um, I, I slept on the ground and with just blankets and a pillow on in the tent. And I survived. So um, camping is not my number one favorite activity. Dan and I used to do it. Um, when we were younger, um, but I don't know if it's something about getting old that you start to like your, your comforts in your life, (laughs) but, um, but there is still a lot about it that I love and that really appeals to me. So doing one night here or there, and for sure, we're going to try it again before the end of the summer, hopefully to enjoy a camping trip with some decent weather. So that was our weekend, and I'm just feeling like this Monday morning is coming way too soon. I think I was still exhausted from camping. You know, I usually get up early to record these, and I had my alarm set for 6 this morning, and when that alarm rang, there was just no way. I was so exhausted. So I set my phone for another hour, and then getting up at 7, like I still felt like... Wow, this is painful. So here we go, another week. But I am happy to be here connecting with you on Girlfriends. All right, next bit of news that I want to share with you because I'm pretty excited about it. I shared with you last week about my new book that's coming out with Ascension Press. And um, you're going to be looking for that. The release is going to be October 15th. So I'm pretty excited. Things are moving quickly. And I told you I turned in my manuscript and I can share with you now the title and a little bit about the content. So the title is you are enough. And the subtitle is What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. Some of you might be familiar with my previous book and my retreat based on that previous book called You're Worth It, which is very much focused on a relationship with Jesus, which is very appropriate for this week's topic um looking at women in the New Testament and their relationships and their conversations and their interactions with Jesus and what we can learn about that about God's unique love for women. And so this project is kind of a natural extension of that looking at women in the Old Testament. And let me tell you this was a very different experience for me looking at these stories of women in the Old Testament because frankly the Old Testament is pretty weird. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. And I had never before spent a ton of time really focused on it. I was very familiar with a lot of the stories, you know, growing up Catholic and, um, you know, years of CCD and having Bible storybooks, but still there's an element of it that just felt foreign to me. So this was a great project for me personally to kind of delve in and look at the different women in the Old Testament, their stories and their relationship with God and what we can learn about our own mission and our own worth as women today, what God teaches us through what he said and what he did for those women in the Old Testament. I think it really is a powerful witness um, to the beauty and the strength and the unique gifts that we have as women in my, my research and in my studies for this particular book. I was surprised by what there was for us to learn about womanhood, In the Old Testament. So really, it was an exciting project for me to work on it. And I cannot wait to share it with you. And of course, I'm going to design another retreat based around this topic, these themes inside of the Old Testament, very much along the lines of my You're Worth It retreat, which looks at women in the New Testament. But... Along that theme of you're worth it, talking about a personal relationship with Jesus, I got a note from a listener today who, um, well, I didn't get it today. I'm going to share it today. (laughs) I got it last week. This is from Jill. She wrote, Dear Danielle, I heard you talking about a personal relationship with Jesus in an earlier podcast, and it really caught my attention because as a Catholic convert from Protestantism, that is something I used to hear talked about a lot, but I don't hear so much in my current Catholic circles. I know we're supposed to have a relationship with Jesus, but I guess I'm not sure what that should look like now that I'm Catholic. I converted three years ago. Any advice you can offer would be appreciated. Jill. Well, Jill, this is inspiring an entire podcast because I feel like I do have a lot to share about this. And I've talked about this in uh, previous podcasts in various ways. So some of this might sound like repeat material, but I've never specifically addressed it in this way. And it's something I love to share about. It's something I especially talked about in my You're Worth It book and in the retreats related to that book, where I am passionate about this idea that We all need a personal relationship with Jesus. We're actually made for it. So you're absolutely right, Jill. And and it's true, too, that our Protestant brothers and sisters often are a lot more comfortable talking about it. Maybe they're better at verbalizing what it should be or what it can be. Um, But I find there's such a richness to our Catholic faith that makes that relationship with Jesus more complete, more authentic, and more fulfilling for us as human beings. So... For sure, there there are some things that we can learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters, especially about a relationship with Jesus. You know, I have a girlfriend who's Protestant who once asked me specifically about this. Like, how can Catholics, and she was a former Catholic, how can Catholics have a personal relationship with Jesus? And my immediate response, not to be snarky, but a little bit to be snarky, was like, We eat him in the Eucharist. It doesn't get more personal than that. You know, it's intimate. We are meant to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And absolutely, our church teaches that. But somehow that message doesn't quite get through to everybody. Even in my own particular, uh, my own faith journey, You know, it's taken me years to get to where I am now in accepting and being comfortable with this idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe we should come up with a different term for it, because I think that term puts some people off. There are some very traditional Catholics I know who would never talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Like the idea is like... Somehow off putting to them. And I can understand that. But, you know, I remember I had a Protestant friend two um, years ago who used to just very naturally in her conversations talk about her conversations with the Lord, like it was her father in law or something, you know, or like a guy she met at the hardware store. And I was really touched by that because I, d- I still don't, I still wouldn't talk about God in that way. But it was very natural for her. And it struck me as. Isn't that what God wants? Not necessarily that we go around talking about him like, you know, Joe Schmo down the street, but doesn't he want to be an everyday part of our life experiences, someone who's an important part of our lives that we talk about in the same way we talk about people that we are close with in our lives? And the answer is yes, of course he does. So you don't have to go around, you know, saying things that feel corny to you. Talking about your personal relationship with Jesus or talking about your walk with the Lord, or you know, these things that are uh, that sort of tend to be Protestant catchphrases, but the idea behind that is something we absolutely should accept not only accept, embrace as Catholics, seek as Catholics. So, I want to talk a little bit about that. What kind of relationship? does Jesus want with you? I think this is something maybe we should pause on a regular basis and remind ourselves of. So I'm going to share a little bit. And some of this is based on the content in my retreat, You're Worth It. There are certain segments of it where I talk about this in particular. And look at the story of the woman at the well. We all know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus goes to her. And inside of his conversation with her, he reveals to her that he is the Messiah. I mean, it's the first place where he admits that, where he says that to a human being. Why did he choose her? Why that moment? It's really astonishing. So really looking at that story, let's talk a little bit about what kind of relationship Jesus wants with you. I think when we're talking about what kind of relationship Jesus wants with us, we need to remember that Jesus wants what we want in a relationship because Jesus is fully human, We sometimes forget that we turn him into a statue, we put him on a pedestal and we say our prayers, right? But Jesus is a human being. He's fully human. He's fully God and fully human. We can't understand that, but we can understand the 100% human part. So let's, let's focus there. Let's focus on the fact that Jesus is 100% human in everything that we want, that we seek, that we long for inside of our human relationships. He wants with us. He's looking for that with us. So that means he doesn't want a formal relationship. Do you want a formal relationship with the people that you love most? No. Do you want a relationship with people you love most only on one day of the week, only on Sunday mornings? Of course not. And, you know, especially with your own spouse or or with your children or with your brothers and sisters or with your parents, the people you're closest to on earth, you want a reciprocal human relationship with them that's real, so I think it's really important that we focus on that when we're deciding, you know, how am, I good, how am I to approach God? Sometimes people feel awkward, and I hear from people all the time that tell me that they feel awkward sometimes in their prayer life. They're not sure how to approach God. Well, start with focusing on his humanity. You know how to relate to other human beings. We're not all perfect at it, but we know what we want inside of our relationships with other human beings. So give that to Jesus. Start there. Start by turning to Jesus and just being his fellow human being and giving him inside of that relationship the things you're seeking in your relationship relationships with other people. That would mean openness, authenticity, honesty, genuine caring, right? Consideration for the other person, thoughtfulness, all those things that add up to love. That's what he wants. He wants that. And We're made for it because we're human. So this isn't something we have to kind of go outside of ourselves to do. You don't have to do things that make you feel uncomfortable to have a real relationship with Jesus. You need to just be you, be 100% you, human, and relate to him in the ways that you relate to other human beings and to look to give him inside of that relationship the things that you are looking for in your relationships with other human beings. He wants a real relationship with you. So remember that. Don't turn him into a statue. Don't turn him into a storybook character. I know sometimes I'm tempted to do that. Sometimes it feels safer inside of our prayer life to read Bible stories and kind of think of them as picture books and they're not really applicable to our lives today. Jesus is a fully human being. He's alive and he wants to connect with you in human ways. So start there. That's the first thing that I want you to focus on when you're thinking about having a real relationship with Jesus focus on his humanity. The second lesson that I think we can learn from this story of Jesus's interaction with the woman at the well, and I love to think about this, because as busy women, we sometimes feel like we don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for connection with Jesus, right? Well, Jesus seeks us where we are. Look at this story. Look at this woman. This, you know, uh, otherwise a nobody. She has all these strikes against her for why Jesus should be talking to her at all, right? First of all, she's a woman and and that wasn't supposed to happen. She's a Samaritan. That's not supposed to happen, right? And then she's a sinner. Part of her interaction with Jesus is him telling her about her five husbands that she has not yet mentioned. And yet he knows. And you know what? I don't know this woman's story completely. None of us do. But I think that the fact that she has had five husbands tells us she knows a little bit about the weaknesses and failings of the human experience. She knows a little bit about sin. She knows a little bit about failure. She knows about the messed up things in this world. And God goes to her anyway. Jesus seeks her out, right? He was there at the well waiting for her when she went to draw water there specifically waiting to have that interaction with her he sought out this woman who was a nobody by the world standards and that's the person to whom he revealed his plan his mission and the fact that he was the messiah why would he do that i think that's astonishing and every one of us should be um you know really touched by that moved by that because sometimes in our relationship with god we think oh, well, you know, I, I don't have all the right credentials, you know, those church credentials or whatever to have a good relationship with God. Or we we put these labels on ourselves like, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, I'm divorced. I'm, you know, fill in the blank with whatever label you like to put on yourself to distance yourself from Jesus. Well, this woman had all those labels and Jesus was there waiting to connect with her anyway. And he connected with her in a real way in his interaction there with her at the well. So I think, you know, when we're reading these gospel stories, we're really meant to put ourselves inside of them. You know, the fact that we don't know the name of this woman at the well with whom Jesus has this extensive conversation. I invite you to look it up. It's John chapter four. Go and read it. I mean, I would read it here in the podcast, but I, it's really long. <laughs> it's because he has a huge interaction with her. It's really a big moment. Why did he choose this woman? Why did he do that? And, you know, connecting with her, with somebody who is otherwise a nobody. And why don't we know her name? You know, there's no mistakes in the gospel. Nothing's left out by mistake. And the fact that we don't know this woman's name, I think speaks powerfully to the fact that she, although she was a real person, is representative of every one of us and we're meant to put ourselves in her place. So God is indeed uplifting the dignity of every woman. And speaking powerfully to the kind of relationship he wants to have with each of us and the kind of effort he's willing to put in, the kind of connection he's looking for with each of us. And so where was Jesus for this woman? He was right there waiting at the well when she was going out to do her daily chores, drawing water, right? The fact that she was drawing water in the middle of the day when it would be hottest speaks to the fact that She didn't want to interact with other women in her community. She was an outcast even in her own community. The other women would have gone early in the day before it got too hot. But Jesus knew what this woman was doing, and he was waiting there for her. And Jesus waits for us, too. This is the the image that I love to think about when I think about Jesus waiting at the well for this woman. You know, you may not go to a well to draw water, but every one of us has stuff like that grocery shopping, meal preparation, carpooling, laundry, whatever it is that's filling your day, Jesus is waiting there inside of that work. We don't have to get fancy to meet Jesus. We don't have to be on our knees in a church. Those are great too, those times when we're able to do that. But we don't have to do that. Don't make that an obstacle to your relationship with Jesus, the fact that you can't be doing that. He's right there. He's inside of your every day. We just need to be able to see him there. We need to open up our eyes and look for him right there inside of our everyday chores, the everyday things, our everyday work, the everyday people that we're interacting with. There's Jesus. So let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of the fact that Jesus is there waiting to interact with us. We don't have to go anywhere. And he loves us so much That he seeks us right where we are. He knows all about everything that we're doing, and he's right there inside of it, looking to connect with you, looking for a relationship with you. So think about those things that make up your everyday, and think about the ways in which Jesus might be looking to connect with you there just maybe seeking his presence inside of the work that you're doing, inside of the people that you're interacting with. I promise you he's there just like he was waiting for the woman at the well. And I just love to think about that image and apply it to my own life. You know, what is what is the well I'm going to now? And in what way is Jesus waiting for me at it? And I think it would be, it would be a good practice for you to do the same thing in your own life, think about it at the start of your day what what well am i going to what work am i going to do and how can i find jesus there how might i do a better job of recognizing the fact that jesus is waiting there for me inside of my everyday cuz sometimes we put those obstacles on there besides the labels that we put on ourselves to distance ourselves from jesus or to think of ourselves as unworthy of a relationship with jesus We also put those obstacles in about what we must do, what our responsibilities are. And we put those in between us and Jesus. Well, the good news is those don't have to be obstacles. Those can be the very means by which you grow in your relationship with Jesus. He's there inside of it, just like he waited at the well for the Samaritan woman that he wanted to connect with. Okay, and the final point I want to make about this particular story with regard to a personal relationship with Jesus, is the fact that Jesus connects with you through your shared humanity. and this is, this is something um, that really is eye-opening for me, at least it was when I was writing "You're worth it," The fact that Jesus, he takes our shared humanity and fully embraces it. You know, this story of the woman at the well, that in the gospel, we read that Jesus was tired. He was traveling. He was walking many miles and he was hot and he was thirsty and he was tired. I mean, think about that. This is God, the creator of the universe. And he took on human form in all of its pains and sufferings and failings and weaknesses. He took that on out of love for us. God got tired. God got thirsty. I think this is so amazing. This is the most amazing part of the story to me that God did this inside of the person of Jesus and that Jesus fully embraces that humanity because he knows that it's going to allow him to connect with us in ways that otherwise we wouldn't in ways that otherwise we wouldn't be able to understand him. We wouldn't be able to connect with him. So inside of that humanity, that shared humanity. So look again at the story of the woman at the well. And what was the first thing that Jesus said to her? How did he look to connect with her? He said, give me a drink. Shared humanity, shared need. He knew. He didn't come and just start preaching to her about the fact that he was the Messiah, right? That wouldn't have worked. She would have been confused or scared. He started right where she was, was waiting for her, right there inside of her daily routine and then just very gently began that relationship through shared humanity, through his need for a drink. And of course, she didn't understand because this sort of interaction wasn't supposed to happen right they weren't jews and samaritans weren't supposed to share drinking vessels and he wasn't supposed to talk to her and all of that part was confusing but their simple request was not confusing and it was something that jesus knew as a woman that she could readily respond to we do this We give drinks, (laughs) we feed people, we take care of people. When people express a need to us, we women are rock stars at meeting it. We know this, it's like the gift of hospitality that we have in varying degrees and in varying ways. But Jesus knew that and he was looking to connect with her through that. So he wants our relationship with him to not be weird. He doesn't want us to go outside of ourselves or pretend to be somebody else or put on a fake personality to have a relationship with him. He wants to meet us there inside of our shared humanity, our shared weakness, our shared need. I think that's a beautifully powerful aspect of that story. The fact that Jesus just wanted to connect with this woman and he very gently approached in that way. Give me a drink. He may not ask you for a drink, but He's not making a demand of you that you're not able to make that you're not able to meet. Sometimes we put that obstacle in the way of our relationship with Jesus. We we think, uh, you know, we we may not want to admit it, but there's a part of us that's sort of afraid of going deeper in our relationship with Jesus because we're afraid of what He's going to ask of us, and how much it'll cost, and how much it will hurt. We're afraid of that. We hold ourselves back. So examine what your motives are. If you are holding back in your relationship with Jesus, what kinds of obstacles are you putting in the way? Are you putting in the way obstacles of, you know, human standards with regard to the labels you might put on yourself? You might think you're unworthy. You might think you're too much of a sinner. You've got this in your past. You've got this ongoing thing in your life and there's no way Jesus can want to be a part of that. Well, it's just not true. Remind yourself of the fact that Jesus wants a real connection with you in the same way you want to be connected with the other human beings he puts in your life for you to love and that Jesus seeks you where you are. Sometimes we put our life circumstances in between us and Jesus. There's no way I can connect with him because I can't get to adoration tonight. Well, that's absolutely not true. He's right there inside of your circumstances, inside of your work, inside of your daily routine. Waiting to connect with you right there. And then finally, Jesus shares humanity with us and he wants to connect with us through our shared humanity. Jesus grew tired, he grew thirsty, he was hot, he wanted a drink. Start there, start at the very basics inside of your relationship with Jesus, and he won't fail to respond to your openness to connecting with him through your shared humanity. All right. The the final thing I want to mention is in another chapter of the gospel, with regard to our relationship with Jesus, besides those three points, that Jesus wants a real relationship with you, Jesus seeks you with where you are, and Jesus connects with you through your shared humanity, um, is a different story in the gospel that I love. And I think it's just so powerfully moving, especially as women, when we consider our relationship with Jesus and what he wants it to be. And this comes from Mark chapter five. And remember, it's the, the, the official's daughter who has died. You know, they, they come and they ask Jesus to, to come because she's very sick. And then they follow up, you know, Jesus is on his way and they say, don't bother, the centurion's daughter. Um, don't bother, she's died. And this is, you know, a terrible, tragic thing. And Jesus shows up and people are weeping and wailing. And, and Jesus tells them, why, you know, why are you crying? She's not dead. She's only asleep. And Jesus goes to this sleeping girl. And remember what I said, place yourself inside of these stories. When you're reading these gospel stories, place yourself in that moment in time. Be that little girl who's asleep, who's not dead, but asleep. Are there ways in your life that you are asleep, especially with regard to your relationship with Jesus. And I love that in the gospel in Mark, we read that Jesus took her by the hand. I just love thinking about that image. And in some of your prayer time, maybe you could think about this image, this image of the sleeping girl with Jesus taking her by the hand. Put yourself in that place. Think about the ways in which you might be asleep, even as Jesus is taking your hand and looking at you with love. That's what he's doing. And Jesus calls to her. He speaks those words to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. So he speaks those words, not only to that little girl that he brings back from the dead, but to every one of us, because we are asleep. Even if you've you got this rock star prayer life going on, we're still asleep in so many ways. We're asleep inside of our relationship with Jesus Little girl, I say to you, arise. Jesus is holding you by the hand. Think about the ways and the parts of your life where you might be asleep, where you might be unaware of Jesus's presence and wake yourself up. Hear those words. Spend some time in prayer thinking about those words and where in your life Jesus might be calling you to wake up, to know that he's right there and he's holding your hand. Sometimes it's inside of pain. Sometimes we refuse to see Jesus's presence inside of the ways that we're hurting, inside of those parts of our lives where we're wounded, where we're hurting. We push him out of there because we think Jesus can't be a part of this. Jesus cannot be here. This hurts too much. This is too messed up, this part of my life. Jesus can't be here. And you might have a relationship with Jesus in other parts of your life, but are you blocking him out of one part because you think he doesn't belong there or that he won't go there? Well, you're wrong. Think about the ways in which Jesus might be holding you by the hand and you are still asleep. I love that. I think it's such a beautiful challenge and it's something I love to read and reflect on in my own prayer life because I'm asleep too. (laughs) I need that reminder. I need that reminder all the time that there are ways in which Jesus is present to me and I am oblivious to him. I'm completely asleep. So let's wake up. Let's make that our challenge for the coming week to think about ways in which we might be asleep in our relationship with Jesus, the ways in which we might be putting obstacles in between ourselves and Jesus, whether it's out of a sense of discomfort. But, you know, I I do want to one last point about that sense of discomfort. I totally get it. And I know some Catholics are put off by that idea of a personal relationship with Jesus because it's like this kind of loaded catchphrase that sounds very Protestant well, then call it something else. I don't care what you call it. It's still what you're made for. It's still what you're built for. It's still what Jesus is longing to have with you. Call it something else. Call it your sacramental life because that's the bonus we have as Catholics. You know, I mentioned at the start of this show that that is a a very true thing, that you can't be accused of not having a personal relationship with Jesus if you are receiving him in the Eucharist that unique way that uniquely intimate way that you're connecting with Jesus with God on a regular basis if you're receiving communion you can't say you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus if you're meeting him in the sacrament of confession what we talked about last week right these are these are important points to make and to note as catholics that we have that we have this beautiful richness and authenticity and real tangible. I mean, tangible, like you can touch him. And he's present to us in unique ways in the sacraments and the grace that we get there. You can't get anywhere else. So remember that when you're considering this personal relationship with Jesus or whatever you want to call that, that that's what we're talking about is that connection with Jesus in a real way, in an authentic way, in a human way. So anyway, I want to hear from you about this topic. I want to know if this idea of personal relationship with Jesus is something you think about, something you struggle with, or um, especially if you have experience with Protestantism, how your Catholic faith kind of completes that idea or what ways you might struggle with it the same way that Jill did. I hope this is helpful to you, Jill. I turned it into more than just an answer for you. But I thought this is a topic that we all need to talk about for sure. It's um, something that God is calling all of us to. But if you have thoughts to share about what I've shared here today, I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. You can comment on the show notes, which are now always published at ascensionpress.com. Click on that podcast tab and you'll see my face smiling at you there. (laughs) There are a bunch of different podcasts, too, so that you should check those out while you're there. So while I'm talking about Ascension Press, I want to take a moment and thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you this podcast. At ascensionpress.com, you'll find all kinds of resources for your personal growth in your Catholic faith, but also resources that support you in your marriage, that support your kids in their faith life, your family, and your parish community in learning more and learning to love your Catholic faith. You can check it all out, plus the podcasts, at ascensionpress.com. I also wanted to mention a couple of the places that I will be present. I will be speaking in um, the coming months. Uh, The first is I'm going to be at St. Lawrence Parish in Sugarland, Texas, September 9th through the 11th. So look for more information about that forthcoming. Um, And, I'm going to be speaking at a few different things. There's like they're doing like a parish mission over the course of a few days. And I'm speaking to grownups and women and teens um, and a whole mix of people. So it looks like it's going to be a great and dynamic event. That's September 9th through 11th at St. Lawrence Parish in Sugarland, Texas. And then October 6th, I'm going to be in Rhode Island um, at the Rhode Island Catholic Women's Conference. And that's going to be at um, the Cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul and Cathedral Hall. On October 6th, I've got a link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com where you can check it out, get more information, find out how you can attend. You know I love to meet you. I love meeting girlfriends. There's nothing that makes me happier when I'm at an event and someone tells me they listen to the podcast because you know what? I know right away you get it you're one of us. (laughs) You're an instant friend. So if ever you're able to come out to a place where I'm going to be, I'd love to meet you in person. And I wanted to mention that I'm still booking events, um, speaking events and retreats for the fall and beyond. If you think that you or your parish or your women's group would like to have me come speak, or if you'd like to have me host my Your Worth It Retreat for Women, you can go to daniellebean.com and find all that you need. Just click on Speaking or the Retreat tab, and you'll get a form that you can fill out to request more information. You know I'd love to meet you, so that would be so fun. Okay, and before I go, I heard from Angie on Facebook And this reminds me to tell you to connect with me on Facebook. If you don't want to send an email or if you don't want to send the voicemail or you don't want to connect with me on Voxer, you know, I love the voice messages, but you can always, it's easy. You can connect with me on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm just Danielle Bean in all those places. So you can find me. Anyway, I heard from Angie on Facebook who asked me, she said on a previous podcast, you mentioned you would have your husband on as a guest and that still hasn't happened that she could find. You're right, Angie. I haven't done it. And you're right. I did say I would do it. And he did agree to do it at one point in time. Dan is not a media guy. (laughs) He he pretty much, um, you know, uh, he's more reserved, I think. And um, so it's going to take a little convincing to get him to do it. And he's also a perfectionist. So unlike me, who will just, you know, just sit here and talk to you. And if I mess up, I'll just, you know, start again. He, he might have a little bit of um, nerves about talking on the podcast, but I think I can convince him to do it. But I want to know if people are actually interested in that. Like if I were going to have him on the show, um, is there a particular topic you'd like for us to talk about together? Or are there questions that you have for him? I'm always talking about, you know, feminine genius here on the show, but I truly also believe in masculine genius. And I you know, I try to share how helpful Dan's perspective is to me. Sometimes he offers just the right counterbalance to my crazy and, um, you know, kind of gives me the, the you know, I, I hesitate to call it the male perspective. But that is absolutely what it is. The fact that sometimes he can pull himself away from all of my emotionalism and drama and just say things how they are. And I find that so helpful, such a breath of fresh air. So maybe that would be helpful. Maybe we could take on some of the topics that we've talked about here on Girlfriends and ask Dan to weigh in on them from his male perspective, the way that David does sometimes, and it's so helpful. Um, Anyway, give me your feedback about that. If you have particular questions you wanna ask Dan, send me those, or if there's just a topic that maybe you would like to see me ask Dan about or have a conversation with Dan about on a future episode, I can get him to do it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Anyway, I think that would be totally fun. And I'd love for him to be a part of our connection here because he's such an important part of my life. And I, I love him so much. I'm so proud of him that I would love to share Dan with all of you. So anyway, let me know your thoughts about that. And then finally, I wanted to be sure to mention the Catholic Momcast that I record weekly with the awesome Lisa Handy. If you're not already subscribed to that show, check it out. I love having podcasts with Lisa because she's so fun to talk to and she has such great perspective. And she's a little further on in her family life, her kids are older and they've been out of the house for a little while. She's kind of in that empty nest stage with her husband, Greg. And I love hearing wisdom and experience from women who are just a little bit ahead in the journey, a little bit further on. I I find it so helpful. Anyway, Lisa and I on the Catholic Momcast talk about a lot of the same things we talk about here at Girlfriends, all these things we care about as Catholic women. So check out that podcast. It's pretty new and we're working to get more subscribers and uh, more feedback on the show. So, Um, go ahead and check that out. I'm going to put the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com for this episode of Girlfriends, but you can just find it on iTunes by searching for Catholic MomCast and um, it should come right up for you or wherever you're listening. Um, It's on a number of different places. So go ahead and check that out. Catholic MomCast with Lisa Hendy and Danielle Bean. We'd love to have you participating over there as well. And that's all the time we have for this week, but I want to thank you for connecting with me here. I want to thank you for showing up. I want to thank you, um, Jill and Angie and all the people who reach out to me with your questions, with your ideas, with your thoughts, with your feedback about the show. It really means a lot to me that you're listening and you're interacting and that you're letting me know what you want, what you need, because I am here to serve you. The whole point of this podcast, when I was felt driven to begin this podcast, (laughs) and I had no idea how to put together a podcast. I was like, I know how to talk, but all this other stuff was really, it was a big learning curve for me. Um, When I felt driven to do that, it was because I feel driven to meet your needs, to be a source of encouragement for you, a source of support for you inside of your journey as a Catholic woman in particular. So, I can do that best if you let me know what's going on with you. So I so appreciate those of you who've reached out, but I also just appreciate the fact that you show up. Thank you for being here. Your presence truly is a gift to me. I am so happy to have the opportunity to connect and share about important things here at Girlfriends week after week. So that's it. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension the leader in Catholic faith formation.